Philippians chapter 3, as we stand in honor of this reading of God's holy word, beginning with verse 1, reading through verse 14. Paul, writing to church at Philippi, says, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same thing to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Verse 2, watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for such confidence. If anyone else thinks he has reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, in regard to a Jew, a Pharisee, as for zeal persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was in my profit, to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Father God, I thank you right now for your word. And Father, I pray that as we examine a portion of your holy word today, I pray, Lord, that you might use this message, use this messenger in such a way to encourage, challenge, and convict through the power of your Spirit those within the sound of my voice. In your Son's name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. I don't know about you, but typically, or at least often, I formulate a few resolutions and goals about this time of year each year. Now, I may elaborate on some of these at a later date, but I want to just give you a brief synopsis, kind of an outline form of how I formulate these goals. I'm going to use words that begin with the letter F to just sort of give you my little outline of the, how I, the headings, I guess you say, for the goals of resolution. Well, uh, the first one is faith, family, friends, finances, fitness, and farm, you know, a homestead, that kind of thing. And so I just make some goals, look at the scripture, make some goals and things like that. I, I, I may talk more about that at a later time. But all of these resolutions, all of these goals that I make every year are intended to help me establish and maintain a closer walk with the Lord in the upcoming year than in the previous year. A closer walk with the Lord 
better harmony, better relationship with others. All of these kinds of things. It's sort of the, the spiritual focus, the financial focus, the relational focus. You know, all you kind of however you want to head it. It's, that's sort of how it works. I just put these goals down. But, you know, even as, as retail stores and other businesses uh, inventory their year-end sales, their merchandise in early January, and I used to work in a department store. We did this every January. We shut the store down and we take inventory. The goal of which was to see how much merchandise was still on hand, how much had been sold, and to measure all of this against established, pre-established goals and objectives with respect to sales and profitability and everything like that. Well, as we come to the end of a year, as we look toward the new year, perhaps there is no better time and no better place than for Christians to take an inventory of their own lives, to do a spiritual inventory, so to speak. For instance, if you were presented... If you were presented with a thorough review of your spiritual growth over the last 365 days, recognized as 2023, as a follower of Jesus Christ, how would your progress be measured? What would have changed? What would have improved? What may have gone, I don't hate to use the word backslidden, but what would have gone uh, the other direction? What, what needs to improve? What needs to change? How many how many stars would you have received? How many recognitions would you recognize that you have improved in your spiritual life, in your walk with Jesus? Well, as we look at the end of this year, as we see a new 366-day year, 2024 is going to have 366 days, just FYI. As we look toward the new year, I want us to take a few moments and simply to reflect and as we reflect, I want us to evaluate each one, each person, individually, your own life, aspects of your life as related to a relationship with the Lord. Based on his own experience here in Philippians chapter 3, Paul admonished the Christians at Philippi with some practical steps for improving and attaining the ultimate goal in their spiritual lives. And these steps remain applicable to us today. Though they were written years and years and years and years ago, they still remain applicable for us today as we see 2024 appearing on the near horizon. Now, I want to employ an outline today from an uncertain source, but one I picked up some time ago, respect to these verses. Let me just simply advance Paul's challenge to the Christians at Philippi, to you today. Number one, to focus your life. To focus your life. Many of you are familiar with Tim Tebow. Right? Tim Tebow, Heisman Trophy winning quarterback for the University of Florida Gators, won national championship, etc. He, he had a, a brief NFL career, and, and then he now is a, an analyst for the SEC Network. He is a popular speaker, a motivational speaker. He, he goes to a lot of banquets and speaks. I've had the privilege of attending at least two times where he has been the feature speaker at a banquet. And, and, and Tebow is a Christian, and, and he... Uh, without hesitation, without reservation, just tells folks about Jesus. And, and he, the two events where I attended, he, he challenged us and then he gave an invitation. It was just incredible. But Tim Tebow is also an author. And in his book entitled, This is the Day, Tim Tebow offered, God gives us today as a gift. He wants us to pursue it. Not just for selfish ambition, but to do something meaningful with it. 
to use it to grow to love others well, to help someone, to pursue a dream he's put on our hearts. This is the day to live without fear of the unknown, without being chained by failure or what ifs. This is the day to be willing to change, to be open, to believe, to hope. If we don't attack each day with this intentionality, Tebow says, it's almost like telling God, thanks, but no thanks. The psalmist wrote Psalm 118, 24, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Folks, as we look toward 2024, we might want to alter that said, this is the year. This upcoming year, each day of it, all 366, is the year the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Perhaps you've heard the phrase, jack of all trades and master of none. Some of y'all have been described that way perhaps in the past. I've been described that way by my grandmother. You know, she meant it kind of derogatory, but I kind of took it as a, a badge of honor, you know. But jack of all trades and master of none in reference to someone that have many interests, many abilities, with each one demanding time and resources. Maybe you've heard expressions like too many irons in the fire or spreading yourself too thin or meeting yourself coming and going, or burning the candle at both ends. Paul was not this kind of person. He was a one-thing man with one purpose. Rather than declare these ten things I dabble in, notice what Paul asserted. This one thing I do, spiritual growth, is accompanied by focused purpose-filled living. One of life's most important questions is this. When you get to where you are going, where will you be? Every life needs a goal. Every life needs an objective. Every life needs a target. I would suggest to you that much of the boredom, much of the unhappiness in life can be traced to a lack of purpose for living. I'm bored, you hear kids say. Well, you know what? Grown-ups say they're bored as well. No purpose. Nothing to which they're looking forward. Just simply marking time. That is not how to live life. Certainly, that's not how Christians ought to live their lives. This one thing I do, the only goal, the only focus of your life that is worthy of your highest worthy of your best efforts, is to do the will of God. God is always at work around you, and he invites you daily to join him where he is working. Focus your life. But as you measure and reflect and look forward to a new year, not only focus your life, but also you may need to forget the past. Christians must be willing to forget the past. Notice what he says in verse 13, forgetting what lies behind. A good memory is quite valuable, but folks, sometimes a good forgettery is much more beneficent. 
Paul cried, forgetting what lies behind. Like Paul, we should forget our past actions, our past attitudes, our past words, our past deeds that were less than exemplary. In other words, we need to forget how bad you have been. Some of y'all recall that great theologian, Pinocchio, right? The wooden marionette created by Papa Geppetto and monitored, chaperoned, if you will, by Jiminy Cricket. Pinocchio, when he was good, he was very good, right? But when he was bad, he was very, very bad. Christians forget how bad they've been. You know, Paul could have drowned in the guilt and despair over his past actions, his bloody hands of persecution, the blasphemous things he had said and done, but rather than dwell on the bad behaviors of the past, and Paul chose to confess his sins to God. Paul chose to confess sins and receive forgiveness from God. Then he dug a grave and buried the skeletons of his past. I suppose that every one of us, and do not raise your hand, please. I suppose that every one of us has a few skeletons in the closet of our past. Every one of us. Why should anyone need to open that closet door and remind us of how those skeletons looked when they were clothed with the flesh and blood of sin? Forgetting how bad you have been is essential for obtaining the goal of God's will in your life. For Christians striving to achieve meaningful growth in their Christian life, forgetting the past may also mean forgetting how others have wronged you. Paul's enemies did everything they possibly could do to break his spirit and destroy his influence. Once they even stoned him and left him for dead, he might have harbored hate in his heart. He might have plotted revenge. He might have been one of those that says, I'm going to get you back. It may not be today, it may not be tomorrow, but I'm going to get you back. That's not what Paul did at all. He did not spend time resenting what others had done to hurt him, how, because doing so would have limited his spiritual growth as he strove, as he sought to obtain the perfect prize. Paul opted to practice what he preached to the church at Corinth. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Why? Because collecting grudges for every wrong, every hurt, every slight, every injury that may have been caused to, by, to you by others will devastate your spiritual growth. To move forward toward the goal in 2024, you must forget how you have been wronged. Forget how bad you've been. Forget how you've been wrong. Forget how you have failed. If Paul was human, and he certainly was, he must have failed many times. And had he brooded over these failures, he would not have progressed toward the goal of spiritual maturity. He had to forget his failures and try again. When you fail, try, try again. Folks, doing nothing, doing nothing because you have failed, accomplishes nothing. Anyone who wants to make progress in their Christian life in this new year must forget past failures. And lastly, forget how you have succeeded. 
You cannot rest on your past laurels, folks, not as an individual nor as a church. You also cannot live with regrets. Past successes must be, must always be understood and considered as a springboard for the future rather than as a hammock in which you lie down and become complacent. How many times, how many people could you point to and say, yep, that's exactly what they are doing? How many churches might you point to and say, mm-hmm, they're just clinging to the past and not looking toward the future. Putting the past in the rearview mirror by forgetting what lies behind is key to achieving progress in the new year. Focus your life, forget the past. And lastly, as you reflect and project, reflect on the year almost past and a year almost here, forge ahead. Paul spent little time seeking and basking in the glory of the converts that he had won, of the churches that he had helped establish, of the the character that he had developed, or the church leaders such as young Timothy that he had helped to mentor. Whatever his level of attainment, he flatly denied that he had arrived to reach his goal. Look at verses 12 and 13. Rather, Paul's dissatisfaction with his present spiritual life spurred him on to higher level of spiritual development. I'm pressing on the upward way, Paul could have written. New heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I'm onward bound, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. That seemingly was the motto, the mantra of the Apostle Paul. At Easter time, a store had a sign in the window, crosses for sale, cheap. In a similar fashion, my mom has a neighbor who has a little table in her front yard right there on the corner. In the box, cardboard box says crosses, and a little sign above it says free. Well, I understand what the the neighbor is trying to do. I understand what she's trying to promote, but in a unique way, that sign in the the window at Easter time and my, na- my mom's neighbor, it sort of helps underscore what may be the nature of our attitude, maybe even our sickness, if you will. We, we tend to offer ourselves up as burnt sacrifices on the altar of bargain basement faith. We do not walk by faith. We tend to want to walk by sight. Folks, we have to forge ahead individually and collectively in this new year. We must, as Paul says, forget all that we have done and rivet our attention on all that, which is re- all that remains for us to do individually and collectively. As Paul challenged the Philippian Christians, he stated emphatically, I press on. When I read that verse, I, I picture in my mind, a runner who is straining every muscle in pursuit of the finish line until the veins in his neck are bulging. A sprinter, perhaps. Or maybe, let's put it a little closer to our recent experience watching college bowl games over the weekend, some of you may have. And that running back 
is just running and churning legs, never stopping, trying to get that extra yard, reaching toward the goal line to score that touchdown. That receiver makes that spectacular catch and continues to press toward the goal line. Arms pumping, legs churning, eyes fixed on the end zone. He will not be denied. This is the force. This is the fury. This is the focus with which you and I must forge ahead in the new year. Tim Tebow writes further, I'm not saying putting this into practice is easy. Hard times are inevitable. Obstacles will come. Some battles are harder to fight than others. You may get knocked down, but you don't have to stay there. Each day you wake up, you have a chance to get unstuck, to step out of a comfortable routine that may be limiting your potential and to fight for something that's important. You were not made just to survive today, but to thrive in it. I want to encourage you to stop putting off your dreams, your goals, and the purpose God has for you. It's time to become the person he has created you to be. In a similar vein, I would say it is time for this church to be the church God intends and has designed it to be. Perhaps your employer, some of y'all, I know many are retired, but your employer then, some of you still employed, conducts performance appraisals close to year end. In fact, uh, I'll be conducting these for my staff this week. Oftentimes, these appraisals rate certain aspects of performance, often along a, a numerical scale pertaining to that person's job, their responsibilities, their assignments, and so forth. As a supervisor through the years at the foundation, at the bank, wherever I've been, I very, very seldom translated never give somebody the highest mark possible. Why, you say? Because improvement is always possible. Improvement is always possible. In similar fashion, may I submit that none of us should ever be fully satisfied with our level of spiritual maturity. Why? Because some room for improvement always exists. William Allen White once said, In no other country in the world... Is aspiration so definite a part of life as it is in America? The most precious gift God has given to this land is not its great riches of soil and forests and mines, but the di divine discontent planted deeply in the hearts of the American people. Folks, we need this kind of divine discontent in our spiritual lives. H have you ever considered the fact that if you take the T off the word forget, you have the word forge. We must focus our life. We must forget the past. We must forge ahead. The prize, the goal is not the applause of spectators. The goal that we should seek is not a garland wreath, but rather the prize of spiritual maturity for present living and the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give. I press on, Paul says, to reach the goal to which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. As you look toward 2024, with the goal of walking closer to the Lord than you have done in 2023, 
and living in such a way that others see Jesus in you and are drawn to him through you, receive this challenge again from Tim Tebow. This is the day you can switch off autopilot and begin living with passion. This is the day, this is the year you can see what God sees in you as an individual and First Baptist Church of Byram collectively as His church.